0: everyone. I'm Matt Zenker, and I'm excited to take my first spin as a host for the Health Voyagers podcast series. Don't worry, our founding host is not far away, and in fact, is my first interview subject for today. Um, so, before we get to David, I know it's been a little bit since our last podcast. As you can imagine, we've had a lot of things going on at UH. Um, and while much of that has been understandably intense, there's also been quite a bit of fun stuff that we've been up to that we're excited to share uh, over the podcast in the next few weeks, including um, some of the, the the panels that we had in our inaugural New Frontiers event, where we teamed up with NASA Glenn Research Center and had a lot of uh, great panels, um, just uncovering a lot of the parallels and, and connection points between space travel and healthcare. Uh, there's quite a few, it turns out. Um, we also have a new series for for our employees called Innovation on Tap uh, where we um, bring in some outside speakers uh, to talk about different uh, subjects of innovation and the first one we had with Greg York um, on, on uh, intellectual property uh, called IP with IPAs. So we'll be sharing that in the next uh, several weeks and months um, and look forward to new podcasts as well as we get into 2021. So today, as I mentioned, I'll be talking to David Sylvan, the president of UH Ventures and our founding host of this podcast, uh, just to talk a little bit about what we learned last year and what we can expect next year. Uh, we've obviously been through a lot um, and are still very much in the thick of this pandemic with many many uh, challenges on the horizon, um, but with all of the, the latest visuals and the news um, around the vaccine being distributed, uh, there's a lot of hope right now, and so as we head into the holidays, uh, Ventures has much to be thankful and hopeful about in 2021. So, David, I'm wondering if you'll join me in a little bit of a celebration that you know at least help is on the way, um, and let's riff a little bit on how our, our office has been weathering the storm. Uh, you know what we learned, and what you know how we might be able to use some of our newfound strength uh, to make 2021 a great year. So great to have you on your own podcast David.
1: Matt, thank you. And uh odd for me to be sitting on the other side of the uh, of the virtual table, but uh, happy to be here and of course the uh, this is your show. So take us away.
0: All right. So let's let's break this down a little bit about you know by the way that UH Ventures is set up. Um and we'll start a little bit on our on our inside out function. So this is our tech transfer and our commercialization um, function where we look to assess, protect and ultimately commercialize uh, new innovations from our employees, whether that be a spin out or a license. Um, So starting with with this segment of our work, um, what do you you think, you know, we learned about our own pipeline of innovation um, and as well as our own innovators in 2020 and, you know, following that, just curious how you think we improve or capitalize on this in 2021?
1: Matt, great question. So, you know, let me first say as a blanket response, I learned a few things. And uh, the first that struck me was the the reinforcement that ideas, concepts, uh, solutions, improvements will and should come from all, from all four corners of our system. They are not, nor should they ever be constrained to the likes of the uh, purely the academic medical center or CNC. And additionally, neither should they be purely clinical or, uh, or patient-facing observations or, and, and innovations. The person or people's or department most impacted by a problem will always conjure a more elegant solution than any number of uh, the so-called design professionals attempting to do the same thing in a vacuum. And I think that you have to be at the coalface. You have to experience the impediment in order to propose a a possible solution that's truly been informed by insights. Matt, you saw the tremendous influx of innovations and invention disclosures during, what was it, March, April, May, literally hundreds more than the year-on-year comparison. And the majority of these were spawned by the need as we reacted and, and repositioned in the face of uh of of COVID. um we we keep nurturing this by making the the submitters feel heard you and patricia and others on the team you made sure that every submission received the response with many worldier follow-up action but i think we could do a better job of socializing and celebrating any wins regardless of uh, of impact and and magnitude but max you're on or you're also on the front end what would uh, what would you add
0: yeah i mean i i think what what you said is is right on i mean i think what it, what that time illustrated so this is as david um is referring back in march we put out a call to innovation um right as the as the pandemic started to unfold and anybody that had any ideas that that um you know ways to just improve uh what they were seeing um, on the front lines, whether that be PPE, decontamination, um, you know, even sourcing PPE, um, getting signs up, things like that, that, uh, and we got, we saw, you know, 200 or so ideas just in the first few days. Um, so what that illustrated to me is that there is, there's a force out there. There's a force of innovation that, um, that we can capitalize on, And, and it doesn't always have to just be a pandemic. Everybody is, going through their own challenges every day and are coming up with ideas, they just don't always have an, an outlet that's just so ready um, to receive them and, and start to work on those ideas. And so uh, UH Ventures is very much that outlet. And I think, you know, we have a lot to, we, we can continue to capitalize on that. I think that we can put, put UH Ventures in front of a lot of these uh, frontline employees. I think that that would be, um, you know, have a great impact. And I do know that know we are working on something that we are looking to uh to really roll out in 2021 that can really be a you know almost a crowdsourcing platform to get ideas no matter what stage they are maybe it's just something that they have uh you know floating in the back of their head or something that they just came up with right there on the spot um that we can start to do some work on and it might not be ready for commercial you know commercialization or prime time yet but there are sources within the system and other colleagues that might be able to jump in and help to refine ideas. And so I think that's what I learned is that that there is this force, and that you know if we give them the right tools and the right outlet, we can really uh, make a difference. So let's let's shift to outside in. Um, so this is the side of our office that you know sources new innovations and startups from outside of UH to. Uh, you know, introduce them and implement these solutions into our system, uh, with an eye toward possible co-commercialization um, and investment opportunities from from within our office. So, David, how has your view on outside in evolved in 2020? What's what should startups or other partners start to think about when it comes to you know engaging with us and and uh in general in 2021?
1: Yeah, so, so Matt, we continue to refine our top-of-the-funnel process and uh, you're largely responsible for a lot of that activity. If left unchecked, we could literally be buried in unsolicited intake, which on one hand signals that we're increasingly seen as a, as a viable living lab partner for new technologies, but could also become pretty unwieldy and untenable uh, very, very quickly. Um, so let me answer both aspects of your question. How's my view on outside evolved? Well, we need to continue to refine the, the strategic imperatives that we need to source against, not to the exclusion of being opportunistic when a novel technology comes our way uh, that happens to be outside of that scope, but really disciplined about when and how we say no, not at this time to a solicitation. And so... Mapping against the systems goals from a, uh, from a macro perspective and also gathering those insights from departments or, or individuals that would steer us towards a pressing unmet need is is equally important, clinical and administrative. So that's part one and that's largely on, on us. You also asked about uh, any advice for uh, for startups and I'll be pretty brief here. First, and this applies to whether or not the the entree is to to UH or any provider system. The startup or the corporate uh, or the technology and solution provider should determine if there's a so-called front door for new technology introductions, like like an innovation department. It, It used to be that you could go directly to an identified stakeholder, a physician, for example, but any more Navigating a hospital's procurement process, um, IT integration, um, legal compliance can all be more readily facilitated by a functional department designed exactly for that purpose, like us. And, and this is critical, ensure that the system or stakeholder understands that the scope, what the scope of the commitment might entail, especially calling out costs and expectations after a successful proof of concept of pilot. The department in question needs to be able to to budget for that appropriately. There shouldn't be any shocks and surprises for for the so-called what happens next. Obviously, the startup needs to be uh, explicit about things like impact and ROI. Those need to be quantified to the extent that they can. And please, stop with the um, we'll reduce headcount as a hook. That is a non-starter. And finally, don't trivialise EHR EMR integration uh, unless you've done that relentlessly. But again, as you've as you probably all heard repeatedly, if you've done one, you've only just done one. So don't don't trivialise the the magnitude of the lift in that regard. But Matt, you're our director of uh, of Dealflow. How's uh, how's your view evolved? Yeah. So
0: you know, I think. As uh, as 2020 has unfolded, I think you know we just have a lot more you know uh, experience now and 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 war stories when it comes to um, getting startups um, integrated within our system and and get getting solutions really off the ground, pilots off the ground, and actual you know scaled implementations off the ground. You know, one thing that uh, that 2020 taught me is that in order for a startup to really um, have that chance of going all the way and getting getting you know a real um uh, at least a a, an impactful pilot off the ground um is that there needs to be pull from within the system um we can do as much as we can to push um but once we feel like there's there's push and, and and no pull it's that's when it's time to to rethink that so i think the um you know, what What Ventures is looking to do right now is really to, to be hyper focused on what those, you know, strategic initiatives are within the system, trying to find those those um, initiatives and, and where there's, you know, real stakeholders, real pull, real budget, um, and find where, you know, where those gaps are and what we can um, and how we can support that. And, and, you know, from a startup standpoint, you know, some of that is just um, helping us understand or helping us to link some of these strategic initiatives. Um, Sometimes we do have to go into the system a little bit to, to, to understand what those initiatives are um, and anything that you can do to help generate pull um, and, and help us find those stakeholders that will help pull is always helpful. So um, so that's kind of my main thing. I think um, as 2021 comes, UH Ventures will be you know, reaching out a lot to our own employees, to our own departments, mm-hmm. finding where those gaps are. And hopefully, you know, a way to to broadcast a little bit more pro proactively to the startup community is where we're where we're going to focus. So, um, so that's 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 my main um, you know learning and goal for 2021.
1: So well, let me just add one thing, Matt. And you, you you you've said something interesting in terms of in terms of pull we can no longer, we don't have the bandwidth anymore for nice-to-haves. Things need to be need-to-haves. And I think that should be a a primary delineator. We're going to see lots of interesting stuff, but the stuff better be of strategic importance. Uh, And then secondly, we have to make sure that there is a crystal clear understanding that nothing's free, whether it is a cost from the standpoint of bandwidth or it's a cost from the standpoint of Zero-sum zero game in terms of being able to devote attention to something, or of course the the hard dollar component. Those things need to be really clearly understood at the at the at the outset, and I think we should continue to make sure we're driving uh, the those sub elements of the conversation when we look to introduce say uh, a new technology.
0: Right. So. Moving on, and this is still related to outside in, um, but you, you know, as I mentioned, UH Venture stands ready to actually invest in, in our own spin outs as well as outside um, startups as we get some um, traction uh, within the system. Uh, so we, we actually did make a few investments this year um, in the midst of everything that was going on. Um, so David, I'm curious, you know, do you have a new philosophy on investing now now that we've, you know, gone through 2020 or even 2019, um, you know, and what do you think our portfolio might look like um, at the end of this year or potentially, um, you know, give it three years?
1: Yeah, great question, Matt. It's not a new philosophy. It's an evolving philosophy because, you know, we're we're building investments and investing mechanism that's bespoke to, to who we are. As you know one of our primary mandates is to to build a diverse and sustainable risk portfolio and that can only happen if we take sufficient shots on goal otherwise the the build process will be unrealistically long and uh, and of course the yield horizon insufficiently impactful so fortunately this does align with uh, with our leadership and our advisory platforms direction and we're in the design build phase of this as you've seen from our pipeline sessions we have uh, far more opportunities than capacity so being very disciplined with regards to elements like speed to impact or return impact on uh, equivalent net, pa- net patient revenue and other value measures will be needed to help us uh, differentiate one from the next you wear them out of some of the pre-seed and seed funding mechanisms that we're in the midst of constructing. And, and all of this happens, of course, in partnership with our treasury platforms and our finance teams so that there's system consistency and approach. And, um, you know, the needed rigor uh, with regard to allocations and sources, et cetera. And, you know, you ask about portfolio mix you know that in as much as we don't shy away from opportunities that have a a, a regulatory hill to climb we're particularly interested in those that have a possibly shorter window to a liquidity event even if the magnitude of the of the exit is smaller i'll take a portfolio of doubles and triples all day long versus only consistently swinging for the fences and uh, you know, we'll do the latter in, in, in partnership with the system, bigger single, you know, deployments and, and more runway needed, but but those are going to be on a case-by-case basis. And so I would expect our portfolio mix to be a, uh, a, a magnification and expansion of, uh, of what we currently see, a combination of elements like healthcare IT, there will be some devices, there will be some um, uh, um, AI and ML uh, components to that a little bit of diagnostics, uh, certainly a lot of focus on things like decision support, but an equal weight given to tools and technologies that help the, 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 the machinery of healthcare. So how do we impact supply chain? How do we impact um, revenue cycle, et cetera? And some of those could be you know R- RPA type deployment. So um, expect to see more of and a greater spread as we, uh, as we move forward.
0: Great, and and we do have a fourth bucket, um, you know, within our our structure at UH Ventures. And, you know, which, you know, we sometimes think of as the secret sauce um, to our innovation practice. And this is the the innovation and product development um, side of our house, as well as our programming. Um, So, you know, my first question, you know, focused mostly on the the product development first. Um, You know, why is it, in your opinion, important for a healthcare institution to focus on product development? Um, and how did maybe 2020
1: inform that perspective? Yeah, two elements to that, Matt. You know, and the, the second piece, you know, what did 2020 inform, I, I think I'll focus on. But we all had to invoke our, uh, our inner Apollo 13 when uh, when COVID forced our backs against the wall. And, and candidly, the, the analogy is appropriate. We only had certain raw materials or tools at our disposal. And we had a very short window in which we had to deliver. Additionally, and I think this is the the lesson I took away, Matt, we also had to be intellectually honest about what we could deliver on our own. And as you know, this forced some interesting partnership and, and collaboration conversations, and some of which uh, some of which were well outside of healthcare or life sciences. And whether they were with multinational uh, industrial companies. Um, Local or regional manufacturers, or as you as you alluded to earlier, well-known space agency, we relegated our egos as did they. It was it was equally important that there was a, a meeting of the minds and a meeting in the middle, and the results were not only impressive but have forged relationships that have been sustained well beyond the immediate need to to rapidly react. But as a result, the genie is out of the bottle as 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 products. Uh, uh, define it's it's not merely a things and tools but also processes and 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 service offerings it's our broader responsibility to be the catalyst when it comes to um, unearthing or revealing the pressing unmet needs but in order to to truly productize we need to be very receptive to to non-traditional partnerships and Maybe let me ask you, Matt. You know, what did you know? It came to a product focus and and product development in the in the you know as, as a category. What did you learn from this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when you go down the product development path, it it really starts to, um, you know, you start to to really form the muscle memory when it comes to um getting getting things all the way through and all the way to actually in practice um you know so first of all getting collaborations off the ground that that you might not think of you know doing from a venture standpoint and actually putting you know pieces and parts together and going through that process is illuminating and that's basically what we're trying to get get um you know our our own inventors and our own internal people to do but when we have the actual experts and the partnerships and the needs and everything at the table to be able to have this hub where we can do this together um, is really important. And I think, you know, product development too, from an inside out, we've also, you know, been able to have some some great partnerships with some local, um, you know, design agencies. We're getting, you know, products, uh, you know, are, it, it's, it's such an important milestone and it's what really takes Uh, When when you actually have a product at the end of the day versus maybe just a patent or a um, a, you know business plan and you have a product in your hand, um, it starts to make everything real and I think that um, it's important for uh, for the culture for the culture of um, within UH um, for the ecosystem and you know it starts to the the roadmap you know can really start to um, illuminate itself in terms of how you get this um, into practice and start to really make an impact so. It's been inspiring to see our own office really take these, take that um, to the next step and seeing some of the things that we've been able to come up with with our partners, it has just been inspiring. Um, and then so, as I mentioned, the other part of our uh, you know, innovation practice is also programming. And I know that this is probably a leading question, um, given that I'm asking it on our own podcast, um, but curious to hear from you, David. Um, how essential is programming um, and, you know, what do you make of the the new virtual medium that we've been able to, that we've been, you know, forced to embrace in 2020 uh, for engaging audiences?
1: Yeah, and uh, I'll keep this brief. You know, there's a, there's a reason why Coca-Cola keeps uh, keeps advertising, right? I mean, they're ubiquitous, right? It's Coke. Um but there is a, a lot of uh, uh, evidence that as soon as you stop uh, flying your flag and promoting brand, you, you tend to recede into the shadows. And so I think programming, in its broader sense, whether we're attempting to to reach, lure, and influence our own uh, internal constituents, our our, our partners uh, inside of the system, or whether or not we're attempting to to forge uh, connectivity and bridges with uh, with outside entities we have to be pretty relentless with regard to the um, the quality of our programming, but be mindful of the quantity so as not to inundate an audience. And, uh, you know, as for, as for the new virtual medium, it's actually allowed us to be a little bit more nimble, candidly, with regard to reaching a broad audience. Not ideal. We'd love to be in front of people. I think uh, there's a certain, certainly uh, we can all acknowledge a lot is lost when we're not you know, physically in the presence of others. But we've had to make do, as has everyone else. And we've been fortunate to have you, your team, uh, Patricia, others who are so sufficiently adept at uh, the the construct, uh, Brittany Merkel, for example, the construct of this type of programming. And we've seen the evidence in terms of participation, in terms of unsolicited feedback, uh, and in terms of, uh, of accolades. So I think it's it's really important for us to be consistent and, and um and targeted with quality uh, messaging via programming. but this is your ballywick, Matt so uh you know you you said it was a leading question, and here's your opportunity to uh, to give us your thoughts <laughs> yeah
0: so you know i I think for sure you know there's there's definitely an element of mm-hmm. zoom uh zoom and webinar fatigue, I'm sure, but I think it's been um pretty. Interesting to see how this has all changed, and we've been able to take advantage. Um, because the, you're right, you can kind of now that it's virtual. There's a lot of this is virtual that you can almost instantaneously uh, reach another, you know, an audience just by spinning up, whether it be a, a one-hour, um, you know, guest speaker um, or having an, an all-day thing with with uh, with you know with NASA, where we were able to actually bring in astronauts from um, not from space, not this time, but from, from Houston, um, and from their various locations throughout the country, um, everybody was able to, to be a part of it. So it removes a lot of the constraints of trying to get everybody into, you know, a single room to do these events. Um, so we, I, I, I think it's been awesome just to see how even the technology has changed and how there's more and more ways that we're trying to figure out how to network with each other and have breakout rooms and things like that. and and you know trying to get more podcasts off the ground it's we all have a lot more uh you know tools in our tool belt just because of 2020 that while i look forward to going back to events i think we won't you know be putting these tools away uh, anytime soon all right so david let's do let's do a, a lightning round so i'm going to ask you some lessons learned um in 2020 taking you know stepping out a little bit from our from our day-to-day work um but you know let's let's keep these snappy and just. Curious from you, um, you know what? What would you say is your biggest lesson? We'll start with this one. Biggest lesson on leadership.
1: Well, biggest lesson on leadership. You know, um, for me to relentlessly learn and relentlessly adapt without ever relegating my my true north. You know, once integrity needs to be compromised, Matt, to attain a goal or an outcome, it's it's time to move on. And I've done that twice in my career, appropriately walked away from, from seemingly great roles, once because I no longer felt that uh, there was personal growth and therefore I couldn't be the servant leader that the role and, and my team deserved. And secondly, there was an opportunity where I, uh, I walked away because I was impliedly required to to um, ethically compromise for a stated set of outcomes. So the biggest lesson intellectual and um perhaps contextual honesty when it comes to the impact that i could have my with my uh, you know for my teams those those are probably my biggest lessons on leadership but you're a leader too matt what about you
0: yeah i mean i guess uh, when i think about leadership you know right now right now i mean i'll i'll i'll, I'll talk more about my, my my role as a dad And leading my kids through Zoom school and, you know, (laughs) learning how to, uh, whether or not I'm, you know, uh, hovering and micromanaging them or, you know, just letting them go. And I think, you know, just even just a small example is just, you know, my first grade um, daughter being able to, uh, I was definitely hovering and, and micromanaging from the beginning. But realizing that she, you know, she's probably more adept at an iPad than me at this point and, you know, navigating, even though she's she still can't read, but she can click through different links and find exactly where she needs to go. So, um and, and you know, that's just an example of uh being able to let um you know, let uh individuals shine, um, take take these constraints and and figure out how to make it work. And, you know, our I've been able to do that, and I feel like that's a lesson, you know. And leadership that, that could be applied throughout and, and being able to everybody's navigating these new realities together, even my first grade daughter. Um, so you know, allowing everybody to have that space to to, to navigate their own uh, future and their own way of, of working, I think has been helpful. So um, I'll I'll given that, I'll switch this over to, you know, even your your 2020 lesson in, in terms of life communication. Family, work-life balance. What would you say is one thing that you think you'll uh, you'll take with
1: you in 2021? Well, I, I you know, y- your answer to to lessons and leadership was uh, was uh, was very very appropriate. And maybe I'll, I'll plagiarize a piece of that. Matt, you know, biggest life lesson uh, as informed by 2020, uh, at, 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 or in general, you know. I learned the hard way that the the passage of time will um, punish you for misplaced priorities. So health, love, family, they all rank equally as number one. Work is critical. It should definitely be a, a top 10, but impact and contribution will always outrank work in my opinion. What about you, biggest life lesson, Matt?
0: i mean yeah i think we've we've learned a lot in terms of just um how how you can manage as a family through through something that's that's as as hard as this is and being able to uh you know hunker down and at the the outset you think like how are we going to do this (laughs) how can we you know i've got three young kids and it's just going to be chaos for a while and then there's a part of a period, you know, throughout this where it's just like, let's just embrace the chaos. Let's just, uh, we'll, we'll get through this. Um, and the more you kind of embrace that chaos, I, fe- I felt like there is a relief intention. Um, you know, let's not worry about if there's Legos on the floor every morning, <laughs> let's just, uh, you know, it's just us. So let's figure it out. So I think, you know, there's just been a lot of, of, you know, learnings in terms of just uh, you know, stress and and how you, can communicate as a family and how you can you know not sweat the small stuff uh that's been helpful so um all right so we'll do these last ones real quick so um but i'm lighting lighting it up a little bit in the lightning round um but biggest lesson on the cleveland browns this year
1: wow well, okay so um i think the browns are are a metaphor for corporate teams you can have incredible Position players match. You can be stacked at every position, but the scheme and the execution will determine the the, the success of the outcome. So perhaps we're beginning to see that with uh, Stefanski and uh, and Barry. What, what do you think, Browns?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm uh, uh, pretty impressed being being able to put up the amount of points and and as quickly and being able to you know control the ball. I just uh, you know I've been here only ten years and haven't seen these types of games, it just feels like a whole different type of viewing experience. Um, but my other biggest lesson is let's, let's try not to play Lamar Jackson in the in the playoffs if we can avoid it. So I don't know if that's even possible, yeah. but uh, let's, let's try to avoid him.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, um, yeah. Agreed. So any, uh, we always close with this, any, any books or podcasts, David?
1: Yeah. You know, I'm all, I'm all, read out in terms of uh, of leadership and innovation and design and those topics matter i've had a, a lot a lot of time with those types of materials recently so i've decided to to i was gonna say lightened up but what i've been reading has not been light um there's an english author by the name of chris cleave um he's written books like uh like incendiary or little Bee. um just uh, incredibly complex, deep, uh, and complicated characters and uh, and um, uh, situations and scenarios, and uh, I found myself, uh, you know, getting immersed in 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 the storylines as a, as an antidote for uh, for everything that we do on a daily basis. So that, that's what I'd offer up. What about you?
0: Um, yeah, I'll just say I. I um told i mentioned this uh recently somewhere else but um a podcast that i have listened to for a while but there's another great series on it as uh hardcore history they're right now going through the uh the asian uh or the pacific theater of world war ii and it's uh just fascinating it's mostly all, all of the stuff that i didn't know that i thought i knew and just you know with my grandfather having been over there and just understanding all of that it's just Completely takes me away from my from work. Uh, it's a great great uh, series. If anyone wants to pick it up, Dan Carlin is a great storyteller. Great thing to do while washing the dishes. So, um, but that that concludes today. I know uh, this was probably a little bit longer than our normal one, but really appreciate you, David, um, taking the time. I thought uh, this was great, and hopefully, you know, we can do more of this next year. Uh, this this podcast might not be my own might not be my last. So. I hope you all enjoyed it and uh, we'll see you in 2021. Uh, Happy holidays to everyone. Happy new year. And thank you so much, David.
1: Matt, thank you. Appreciate you and appreciate your leadership and uh, happy holidays to you and your family as well.